Cinema Vino is brought to you by Audible. Audible has an expansive list of books and podcasts spread across a ton of genres. Sign up and you get to keep one title per month for yourself. As a movie nerd, I'm looking forward to Quentin Tarantino's Cinema Speculation. In it, he analyzes classic movies with a special emphasis on 70s American cinema. He puts a personal touch on his analysis, giving you special insight into the movies that led him to be a filmmaker. Also, All About Me by Mel Brooks. In this book, the 95-year-old comedy icon discusses his transformative career across stage, TV screen, and cinemas. He's a man with a million stories, so this is a must for movie fans. Sign up today for your free 30-day trial of Audible. Visit www.audibletrial.com slash cinemavino. Once again, that's www.audibletrial.com slash cinemavino. And welcome back to Cinema Vino. Hi. It's good to have you guys back with us. Did, did we hire a new guitar player? That was me again. Oh, that was lovely. Oh, thank you. Lovely arrangement. The I, strumming I, is oh, spot on. I got a new capo on Amazon, so I had to use it a little bit. And Reminds me of a young Rory Calhoun. <laughs> <laughs> so we got Sean Jordan. Hey. Travis Bud. Mm. Bravs Tud. My name's Todd Wofford, and it's good to have you guys here for uh, part four. Part five? We're somewhere in our Oscar Jesus, series. how many episodes have we done? We've done quite a few Oscar movies already. That's um, part five. Yeah. It's, it's a long par five. Uh, we're talking about Triangle of Sadness. We're covering all the Best Picture nominees, and this is the next one on our list. And to go along with this one, we are drinking Anime Amrita. This is a white blend. Is oh, it a oh, cuvee? It is a cuvee, which is a blend. I just read that. Yeah. It's a good oh, job. Nice. Um, I totally forgot. I made a little music for our wine segment. That way you can distinguish it. I just want to try it out, see what you guys think. Let us know what you guys think. Hold on. Here it comes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Isn't that fun? That's nice. That's that great. Now, again. You Is that it. how you did the sound? Yeah. You just did it in your mouth? It's the same thing they do for lollipop. You know the song lollipop? Ba-doom, oh. boom, boom. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, thanks. Bring it back to high school. Yeah. Fuck this podcast. Let's get into Foley. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you just get, you put shoes on your hands and you walk into like a little Is box. Is that somebody of sand. walking down the stairs? <laughs> now I'm walking in the mud. <laughs> Watch uh, out for that cat. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry, guys. Let's. Can we move on? Oh, no. There's an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> there's a cat loose on the airplane. <laughs> I, I apologize. <laughs> Anyway, what the hell are we talking about? Uh, Wine. Oh, yeah. It's Cuvée. The Anami Amarita. Uh, Willamette Valley, Oregon. Uh, this is a great winery. I've actually been here. It's beautiful. Uh, Willamette Valley is beautiful. It's as close as you can get to just the, you know, the Rhone area of France in the United States. Just gorgeous land. This is really good. I like this. Yeah. This is a sparkling white wine. This is a blend of a lot of different grapes. You've got Riesling, Pinot Blanc, Merlot Tergau, Viognier, Gewurztraminer, Chardonnay, and Pinot Gris. So... I like that it's not too dry. No, um, I mean, it's so balanced, especially with all those different grapes in there. You got to think it's going to have a little like, bit of everything. This would pair really, really well with like a cherry slush from Sonic. I think yeah. so. I just I pour that right in there and it's, <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. I think it'd be delicious. That sound you hear in the distance is somebody from Anime Winery hitting stop on this podcast. I was at a, uh, I was at a baby shower over the weekend and we were talking about um, how to make a cocktail with a Capri Sun. Ooh. And I was like, it would be good to mix a Capri Sun with like a, a sparkling white wine. Yes. Do a little Capri Sun spritzer. Yeah. Yeah. This would be terrible for that. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is this is good stuff. This is probably about 20, 20 ish, 20, 25 bucks. This is really good. I, it's I like twenty eight. Highly recommend. <laughs> I mean, now this is nice, refreshing. Like you say, it's not too dry, not too sweet, uh, not too full bodied. I mean, it's just it kind of hits that middle, that center bullseye of all the different flavor palettes. But so. it's it's dry enough that it makes me want to go back for another sip. Yeah, yeah like, it's like ooh, a sour need, dry. Mm-hmm. And it's it's yeah, it'd be great. This would be great with a lot of different foods. I mean, this would be great pre dinner. You know. Uh, aperitif kind of a thing. Like I give it a sip and I set it down and it's like, baby, come back. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I will be. And it's often. weird, like reading all of those different grapes, like, oh, it's a little bit of Pinot Blanc, a little bit of Pinot Gris, a little bit of Riesling, a little bit of Monica, a little bit of Tina, <laughs> little <laughs> bit of, a little bit of Sandra. Are you saying this is Mambo, Mambo number five? Number five? <laughs> a trumpet. Cuvee number five. <laughs> <laughs> if there's not a wine out there named Cuvee number five, I'm going to be pissed off. What? Why didn't William Hung ever like cover Mambo Number Five? Like, why did he just stick to Ricky Martin? He he may have, and we just don't know it. It's a tree falling in the woods somewhere. That's a good point. He could be covering, you know, Beethoven's Fifth right now. We wouldn't know it. So, or Mahler's Fifth, Uh, exactly. Which yeah brings back around the tar, which is going to be a few bottles of wine from now. A few glug glugs from now. (laughs) I look forward to our discussion of some of these serious movies after we're good and hammered. So. Yeah, that's going to be just... Yeah, that, that's always turned out well for us. Fun for the whole family. Gather your kids around and listen to our discussion of tar. Let's get on Spielberg uh, and talk about Jaws. <laughs> this is Triangle of Sadness, though. This is Triangle of Sadness. If you think you've wandered into the wrong podcast. <laughs> nope. You're, Trust me, if you've wandered in the, this podcast, you're in the right spot. Yeah, you're, you're where you need to be in life. Your whole life has brought you to this point, so think about that. Okay, so <laughs> moving along. Um... Triangle Sadness, released October 7th, 2022. This won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, got a long-standing ovation. This grossed $24 million against a $15 million budget. That's been a post-COVID theme of art house movies not doing well at the box office. Uh, Movie-going palettes have changed, and so all of these prestigious movies haven't done so great. It did $50 million against a $15 million budget? It did 24 against a 15. Oh. It's not, not great. Ah, uh, yeah. Um... As with the recent film, The Menu, starring Ray Fiennes, Nicholas Holt, and Honey Taylor-Joy, this is a dark comedy looking at elitism and entitlement in the upper class from the point of view of the service industry. The uh, film takes place over three distinct acts, each with successive. Each successive act descends further into madness and detachment from reality. Uh, first act shows a young couple with a male model, uh, played by Harris Dickinson, and an influencer played by South African uh, actress Charlie Dean, who, this is a posthumous movie. She passed away before it came out. Yeah, I saw that when I was I was looking at Who did? The actress in... The the girl who played the model? The influencer, yeah. The influencer slash model She girlfriend. passed away before? She passed away before she, movie Yeah, came she out. died. Holy shit. She had a septic infection, some, like a, kind of like a staph infection is the way I gathered it, and it turned fatal. Yeah. Lee. Yeah. Um... They fight over gender roles in their relationship at a posh restaurant. Uh, the fight turns nasty and they make up later at a hotel. Second act takes us to an uber-wealthy chartered yacht. In real life, this yacht belonged to Aristotle Onassis, who was the second husband of Jacqueline Kennedy, uh, was a billionaire Greek shipping tycoon. So this was a $250 million yacht. Uh, people, Very wealthy people go to vacation here and... Wait, so people go on vacation on other people's yachts? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that a thing? Mm-hmm. Why do you guys not have yachts I can vacation on? <laughs> well, you, Sorry. you need to scrounge me up about $250 million, and I'll, I'll get a yacht for you. I'll work on it. We'll trade. You guys subscribe to the Patreon. Yeah, exactly. Get on Patreon. Your, your donations will help us get yachts. <laughs> yeah, where the hell's my Patreon check? <laughs> um, 
Uh, so this includes a Russian oligarch who peddles manure, a friendly elderly couple who sell landmines, and a slightly creepy tech billionaire who puts off a little bit of an Elon Musk vibe, I thought. Uh, so, and the beautiful couple from the first act, Carl and Yaya. And then the, this voyage gets disgusting. I don't want to give a whole lot away. We can talk about that here in a minute. Uh, it goes the way of Gilgan's Island by way of Montezuma's Revenge. And proceeds to the third act, where, again, spoilers right here. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Come back to this point in the discussion. Uh, they end up marooned on an island after the ship gets destroyed by pirates. And so that sets up a new power struggle. And in this process, Abigail, a Filipino woman, played by Dolly de Leon, uses her survivor skills to become the tyrannical leader of the survivors. She trades in sexual favors and uses intimidation to, sh- to flip the ship's class system on its ear. That's what I got so far. So, y'all, tell me what you think, Sean. Um, I liked it. I, I thought this was a fun movie. It felt shorter than it was because I think runtime on this was like two hours and some change. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't feel that long, uh, unlike some of the other movies that we have watched for this. Um, it sat satire-wise. I don't know why this one got more of a nod than like the menu or. Even Glass Onion, I feel like Glass Onion kind of had the same sort of vibes as satirical takedowns of the uber wealthy and, uh, you know, kind of holding up a mirror to the lunacy of, of that whole situation. Um, I thought it was good. I Palm d'Or surprised me, though. Yeah. I, I didn't expect this movie to be a Palm d'Or nod, but I also don't know what all was, was up for it. Con can be kind of funky sometimes. Yeah. They can, they can give out some weird stuff. The weird French people. Um <laughs> No, I thought the acting was really good. Um, I They didn't go over the top with the satire. I know we talked about this last year with uh, Don't Look Up, how it was like super ham-fisted satire. Mm-hmm. This was a little bit more nuanced, a little more subtle. Um, I think the menu did a better job. It's hard not to draw comparisons to the menu, mm-hmm. um, but I think they did a better job of kind of keeping it drier satire, keeping it a little bit more believable, a little more like there's more tension to it. Mm-hmm. This one had a lot more... Um, kind of lunacy, you know, the, the old couple being like, oh, you know, he, he just sells, uh, you know, grenades, hand grenades. <laughs> oh, is, is that one of yours? Just merchants of death. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I, I thought it was good. Um, the, the third act where they end up on the Island, um, kind of reminded me of alone, like the TV show alone, where I just kept being like. I don't know what you guys are doing. You got to build a shelter. We're lost. First thing you got to do is build a shelter. I've watched too many survival shows to, to not like immediately go into lost or, you know, alone mode. (laughs) What's alone? It's a TV show. So the entire premise is they take 10 people, uh, onto like a remote place somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Reality. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's sort of, yeah. I mean, it is reality TV, but it's a lot more like real. So like they give them all the camera equipment and they say, here you go. You are going to be alone like last one to survive or last one to not tap out wins. You get like a set number of um, items that you can take with you. And then um, like of the 10 people, whoever taps out last wins like $500 million or $500,000. Nice. Okay. What was the one that was, I was naked and afraid. Same producers uh, actually. Really? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So they've got a niche. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because my dentist, her son is going to be on one of those two shows. Ooh, so he went through the whole casting guy? process. Yeah. Yeah, because he's going to be on Naked and Afraid. I think they blur it out, though. Yeah, but, I mean, you know. Which is a shame. We can get the good stuff overseas. That's right. That's true. That's one reason to head overseas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
on this movie though, it, it didn't stick out to me as like a, it didn't stick with me the way that menu did. Um, it it was kind of nonplus. I was nonplussed. If you will. Good word. Thank you. <laughs> I saw that in Reader's Digest one time. It stayed with me. Nonplussed. You were plussed by nonplussed. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and this movie just kind of, it was fine. It, yeah. it was it was okay. Yeah. I, I don't get the hype. So I'll give this one like a six and a half. Yeah. Travi? Yeah, I, I would give it a six. Um, <clears throat> my understanding before going into it is that it was going to be a dark comedy. Uh, I... Figured there would be a lot of Woody Harrelson. It was a lot more dark than the last comic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started out much different than I thought. And I was, and all I knew was that the there was a big uh, yakking scene in the middle. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to be, better not eat right before. Uh, <laughs> but I think you built it up too much because I was like, I was ready for it. So it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, I thought all the people falling downstairs was kind of hilarious. Um <laughs> That's and always hilarious. Yeah, that's that was good shit. Uh, so I, I I liked uh, first of all them standing at an angle in the the like dining hall area. That was really like, well done. Mm-hmm. They weren't exactly you know going back and forth, but they did it just enough off kilter to where you like started to feel the seasickness, and I liked that aspect. Um, and especially right when things started to go wrong and they were all like you it's real okay. opportunity to say things went sideways like yeah <laughs> <laughs> they were like it's okay we we've got it you know please remain calm and then like as the camera pulls back out of there and everybody's coming out and there's the one dude having a stroke or a heart attack or something like it's getting more and more sideways and it goes just absolutely crazy i kind of love that one shot because i was like oh yes this is the one dude runs out of frame and then runs back into frame just to yak <laughs> and falls backwards again. So uh, I enjoyed that. I really liked uh, uh, Woody Harrelson and the Dimitri guy just getting drunk. Like, all right, guess the card. Drink. Like, it's... <laughs> they were just playing drink the beer. I've played that game before. Possibly. Yeah. It's, it's quite something. Yeah, it's... Whew, me, me and my friends would play high card for a dollar. You just have a deck of cards, and you each draw a card, flip it over. Yeah. Whoever has the highest card wins. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised that Woody Harrelson didn't survive. I know. I was. I kept waiting. I'm like, all right, the next day he's going to paddle up and going to be up on, on the island. And so I really missed him the last half. Like, the only guy I really liked was Dimitri. I was like, fuck this guy, but he's kind of hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it uh, once it switched gears and it was all on the island. I was like, is this is this all this is going to be? This is like I like how they've switched the class um, system on its head. Um, and then they leave you with the somewhat ambiguous ending. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and they kind of let you work it out on its own. But as soon as, well, we're, we're already talking about spoilers, right? Yeah. We've, we've uh, warned. As soon as they see the, the elevator at the end, I'm like, oh, it's just the two of them. Like that. She's going to kill her. Yeah. She yeah. She's going to kill her. Um, but yeah, they, they leave it up to, to your imagination on whether or not it actually happened. Like, you know, they, they keep doing this. They, uh, on all of these, these films where they end it and they're like, no, I, I want to know the whole thing. I I know it's fancy and avant-garde to be like, Oh, well, did it happen? Yeah. Yeah. Let's let everybody talk around the popcorn vending machine. Like on the way out. No one's like, I don't think she did it. Yeah. I just, 
Have yeah. you guys ever talked around the popcorn vending machine after movie? Well, I was going to say around the water cooler, but I was like, well, there's no water cooler. Like everyone gathering around theater. the popcorn machine. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the movie. Yep. Enjoy your junior mints. <laughs> Enjoy those raisinets. Watch out for that hole in the bottom of them. <laughs> it's so buttery. <laughs> what would happen in this box? <laughs> this chocolate's melted in a weird way. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I give it a six. I was hoping for more uh, Woody Harrelson, but I wasn't uh, displeased with what I got. But I, you know, it was just there. It was enjoyable. Yeah. It's a good watching once film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not gonna. There's not a lot of rewatchability. Nope, I agree. I will say though, the direction was really good. I thought like the like filmography was really good. Mm-hmm. The way that they did that scene on the where everyone's kind of sideways and kind of going back and forth, that had to have been really hard to shoot. I'd love to see the behind the scenes of that. Yeah, um, I can clearly see the effort that went into it. It's like you make it wonder if they were filming that on like gimbals or something, you know, to make yeah. give that kind of uneven. Well, no, because they were at the same angle all the time. They never had to adjust their walk. Like I thought they would have had like a short stage going back and forth, but they they didn't. They yeah. just had it <laughs> constructed it at one angle. Yeah, kind of like that. And scene they just maintained. And, um, oh God, what's the uh, where the the room or the hallway is like doing like a three sixty while they're fighting? Inception. 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 Yeah. 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 I was trying to say Insidious. That's not it. <laughs> very different movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this, what I have here is like, this is a, it's a long movie, but it doesn't feel long because it's jam packed with stuff. It's jam packed with basically three different stories for the price of one. It's almost like an anthology in that way. Uh, the, the satire is, it's a very crowded satire cause it takes jabs at what Monty Python used to call upper class twits, you know, cause on Monty Python, you had the skit of upper class twit of the year. Like the, it's like the twit Olympics where they do like three-legged sack races and everybody, they all lose. That's that kind of, it's like a bunch of idiots. Um, twits is a word we should bring back. Yeah, it's a, it's a good British word. It's do a good John Cleese. Like, oh, you twit? And what do you think donkey twit? tastes like? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it tastes like bad horse. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I just watched the movie EO about a donkey and it's just like, that didn't get you in the feels. It's mm. very sad. I will say that donkey scene was the funniest part of it. When you talk like, where was the humor in this dark, like dark comedy? Mm-hmm. It was the donkey. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this makes fun of upper class twits, half ass socialists. Uh, Honest Trailer Channel called them the champagne socialists, which makes sense. In that, um, but then it's bisected by a long interval of one of the more graphic, gross out sequences that I've seen in a good long while of people barfing up big old chunky vomit and rivers of diarrhea and just absolutely it's putrid for lack of a better word i love how the captain just was like ah burger and fries like <laughs> don't give me any of that weird shit yeah like everybody's looking at his plate and being like oh my god i should have had that <laughs> which a bur- i should have had a v8 <laughs> i should have concurred a, a burger factors in big into the menu as well a hamburger it does yeah it's yeah. weird Ooh. it's important and is the burger the absolute like American Sim- symbol of everyman, blue collar, yeah, the everyman. everyman yeah. yeah, it's it kind of the opposite of the everything bagel. You the, know, the the plebeian mm-hmm. is the burger. Yeah, we are the burger. Uh, we are the burger. <laughs> um, I'm the eggman. <laughs> but yeah, this movie I, I have here that makes the campfire scene in Blazing Saddles look like something out of Remains of the Day in terms <laughs> of subtlety. Um, but the, the, to me, it's like this covers on the same ground as the menu, like what you said. But I think the menu had its satire cut with a sharper blade. It's yeah. a little bit sharper knife. Um, I enjoyed this film to a degree. And it, you, know, you guys are not on the same page. I wouldn't watch it again. You know, This is on the lower end of the Best Picture nominees. It's toward the bottom. I, I'm surprised it made the cut. But does it kind of, do you feel like it has to because it won Palm d'Or? 
Yeah, they probably that pressure of like you know they gave it awards, so now we have to put it on the list too. So hmm. it, it gets in the it gets into the party past the rope line just on virtue of who you know association. But uh, yeah, this has been another episode of San Mavino. We thank you guys for joining us for this special look at Triangle of Sadness, and we're going to keep the ball rolling with the next one. I don't know know what's next on our list here. Keep we got, the party rolling. We got a, a random list. We got uh, oh not that one. We got Tar up next. We're going to take a look at Tar. Tar. So, <laughs> Tar. Uh, yeah, we got uh, Anime Amarita, uh, sparkling uh, white wine out of Willamette Valley, Oregon. 20-ish dollars. Good stuff. So keep that on your list of things to try. But we got Sean, Travis. Hey. hey. And I'm TW. Bye. We'll see you guys next time. Great, great movies, only drunker, and even like decent movies, but mildly drunk. So we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Bye. Be sure to listen, rate, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our website is at cinemavino.net, and reviews of these films can be found at toddwaffordmovies.com.